Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. What's up, everybody? Welcome. It is the Thursday edition of Let's Talk Sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the Paxa Studios in Honolulu. And my guest co-host for the day, uh, none other than the sports director at KHON2, Robbie D. Rob DeMello is in the house. What's up, Rob? What's up, man? How you doing today? I'm doing okay. I noticed you're uh, on your tablet. Uh-huh. And uh, you usually, you know, as we do sort of in preparing for the show, we'll, we'll go online, various sports websites, various social media platforms. Uh, you seem particularly hesitant, though, to look at your Twitter account. Why, why, why is that, Rob? <laughs> well, because my Twitter account <laughs> over recent months has turned into a cesspool of, like, ads and these crazy only fan like, responses to every article that's put up. And it's it's just really weird. I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm very weary of checking my Twitter in public uh, just based on what might pop up. And you know what it is, too, is because there's, like, there's that the, you can, only the people that you follow, and then there's, like, the one where it's, like, it's ads, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And I never remember to just put it to the ones that... That's right. That's right. There's the right. for you and yeah. then the the And I don't follows. know why my for you is as profanely laced as it is. I mean, because it's, uh, it's, it's, it's the algorithm, Rob. I mean, right? it's based on what you're searching in your private <laughs> yeah, time. Trust me, I'm not searching <laughs> that on my Twitter. <laughs> 808-296-1420 is the number. Texting at that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line. I'm so in agreement with you. Uh, Twitter, even Instagram, like it seems like all of the followers now uh, are just like these weird bots, like these very odd obvious like fake accounts uh friend requests on instagram all this stuff except for uh, this follow that i just recently got this is a good one uh this is uh, alina and you know it's legit because uh, her uh, twitter address is at uh, margie four three eight zero five four seven two so you know she's real yeah those numbers mean a lot to her and you know there was already a uh, seven thousand six hundred forty-five margies, <laughs> yeah. so she had to just had to distinguish yeah. herself somehow. Yeah, no, more power to her, and thanks for the follow. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's weird, man. Social media has gotten uh, pretty strange out there. Thanks a lot, Elon. I know uh, my my coworker at KHON, uh, Christian Shimabuku, warned me about <laughs> when this all happened and like the Twitter thing and changed the X, and he's like, "Dude, this is gonna get so bad. I can see it right." I'm like, "Dude, don't worry, relax, man. It'll be fine." And then now I'm like, eh, "He was right." Yeah, he may have had something there. Uh, all right. Well, whether you learned this via Twitter or another social media platform uh, or uh, just via the news, uh, certainly Rob DeMello is a good follower for this kind of disbursement of information. But uh, the 2024 University of Hawaii football schedule has been announced in full. And so uh, as it was already known, uh, Hawaii will be hosting among uh, its home games, UCLA. Uh, Also, uh, they will be traveling on the road to Sam Houston. Uh, Northern Iowa will be the second or make that the third home game. Uh, And then they'll get into Mountain West Conference play with the uh, road games, including at San Diego State, uh, at Fresno State, at Utah State. And then, of course, as part of that scheduling agreement with the remaining uh, two programs of the Pac-12, Hawaii will play in 
Pullman. Good luck with that in uh, October uh, at Washington State. Only good luck with that because uh, Pullman's kind of a, a tough place to play. Let's put it that way. Um, and then uh, you have, uh, obviously, the schedule uh, ending with uh, New Mexico uh, at home. Hawaii will also host in conference UNLV, Nevada, Boise State. So, uh, And it was ultimately revealed here very recently that the uh, opener, the 12th and final game uh, of the season that was added, uh, is Delaware State. And I think there's been some mixed reactions to that because that means uh, that you are uh, adding another FCS program to the schedule. There will be two now uh, on the docket with Delaware State and Northern Iowa. Um, you have a uh, schedule that is not um, able to reach the full level of the allotted 13 that Hawaii is allowed, right? It's the um, University of Hawaii or Hawaii exemption, uh, which allows for an extra football game, an extra basketball game, uh, just because of some of the uh, disadvantages in terms of the geography uh, for Hawaii. So you have now this situation, uh, Rob, where uh, Hawaii is playing a 12-game schedule. Uh, you got the two FCS uh, schools on there, and the opener is Delaware State. Again, the reaction to uh, this news and this full schedule reveal has been a little bit mixed. What has been your judgment on the reaction here to this? I think uh, a huge part of it is obviously uh, the spot that was uh, formerly held by Oregon, uh, that game falling through, and uh, Craig Angelus on the Craig Angelus show telling us that that contract, uh, the bones of that contract still remains. They're sort of kicking it down to where maybe they can schedule a game a few years down the road, maybe even when the stadium is open. So they haven't necessarily just ripped up uh, that deal. Uh, and so there is hope that that matchup can still remain. But it was looking for a while there, like it would be Oregon and UCLA, uh, a couple of former, uh, as this season is going to come, uh, Pac-12 teams, obviously of name brand quality uh, on the schedule. Oregon no longer there. Uh, there was talk that they were trying to replace Oregon with a road game at Illinois. That fell through. And so is Delaware State. This is your full 12-game schedule. What has been the reaction that you've seen here to this announcement? Yeah, the, the reaction that I've gotten, that I've seen on social media or, or even comments that, that are being made to me is disappointment that the replacement to Oregon was Delaware State. Um, you know, obviously... You know, when you lose Oregon in a brand name like that, you want another brand name replacement. You know how realistic that is at this part part of the season and or part of the off season to try and fill that. I know that there are a few FBS teams that had open dates, but then in the meantime, between Oregon and Hawaii, trying to work out this. Uh, this uh, partnership where they will not play this game and then trying to find a replacement. Those other teams are able to link up and pair up and, and, and find opponents for each other. And Hawaii was kind of left out standing in the cold and so had to go the route of, of bringing an FCS team. Uh, absolutely. If, if I w had a choice between the University of Hawaii opening against an FCS team, a second FCS team, or anyone else, it would probably be anyone else. Um, for me, I would love to see a group of five opponent. I I love seeing the University of Hawaii go up against teams that are at their level. If you already have those power five opponents on the schedule, I know that I might be, you know, not in a popular majority of that where it's kind of just like, hey, get all the big names you can. Um, but I, I really like those games where in years past where you take on a, a Rice or a Navy or I mean because. It's like, where are they? Where, where do they stack up amongst their peers in other conferences? I love those games. Um, so I would have loved to see that, but this is what you're able to get. Um, you know, it's the first time, or 
I remember in 2007, right, was they only yeah. played 12 games. They played two FCS opponents. And at the end of the year, everyone was happy, <laughs> right? I mean, I don't remember anyone that complaining. That is true. We were, we were calling for Herman Frazier's head right at the beginning of that season because of the scheduling, and then it worked out pretty well because Hawaii went 12-0 and uh, and got into the Sugar Bowl. There is an art is there not to scheduling, right? And we see different philosophies, for sure, uh, of uh, a lot of discussion this year has been sort of the differences in the non-conference schedule for the men's basketball program versus the women's basketball program. Laura Beeman, uh, she is not shy, loading up on these, like, top-tier, top-10 type of uh, programs, established programs, you know, Stanford, Baylor, whatever it may be. Uh, And, frankly, her team oftentimes takes cracks. Uh, But we have said, hey, look, you know, maybe there's a method to that madness. It sort of toughens them up a little bit, sharpens them for when they get into league play and they go up against like opponents. Um, And so that's basketball. It's kind of a different thing. It's a little bit of a longer schedule, obviously more games and all of that stuff. Um, And there's an art to football as well, I would imagine, right, is uh, the idea of you want to have brand name recognition. It's cool for the fans. There's a novelty attached to it. Uh, Depending on the year uh, that that you are scheduling these games and, and the quality of your team at that time, those can end up either being good games or sometimes they're referred to as body bag games. Uh, and so Hawaii is still kind of trying to venture its way back into relevance, into contendership in the Mountain West Conference. Uh, and so the art behind how you schedule this, and again, at the University of Hawaii, uh, football scheduling is handled by the athletic director's office. Uh, and so the, the art behind how you schedule this, I think, is is an interesting one. Uh, because, yeah, I've often said, like, no, let's just schedule all the great teams. Like, as many as you possibly can. Especially now where the chasm between the haves and the have-nots, the power conferences and the group of five, uh, you know, conferences formerly power five versus uh, group of five. Obviously, that's all changing as the landscape continues to shift. Uh, but as that chasm continues to grow, and drive these top-tiered programs further away from even availability on a lot of fronts, the expansion of the college football playoff, which is going to make it probably even less likely to be able to schedule some of these teams. Remember back in the day, we used to be able to schedule uh, some big-name opponents at the end of the year, like prior to bowl season. That's like no longer existent. That is very rare now to see in this day and age. Uh, And so you have to front-load these games, and Hawaii is given that opportunity in week zero because of that Hawaii exemption. They can play week zero. uh, And so that's an opportunity to schedule those games. And so I've always been a proponent of like, let's just get as many brand names as possible because uh, the novelty just continues to grow. And it's kind of a cool thing to see your team on the same field as a program like that, to show your fans that. Uh, But at the same time, uh, you've kind of touched on, I think, an interesting point is you want to have a certain balance if possible, because uh, you're also trying to rack up enough wins to become bowl eligible. And and so that's an interesting one to me because, yeah, I think this was a schedule that was more or less forced upon Hawaii because of the uh, Oregon game falling through, because of the inability to be able to logistically put together a deal for that Illinois game. Uh, and so Hawaii just had to resort to, hey, look, we can't have just 11 games on the schedule. We won't get to 13, but we will get to 12, and we'll play week zero against Delaware State. And, and so I think there has to be at least some level of understanding of, hey, look, this was a little bit more of a desperate kind of measure for Hawaii. But in a perfect world, in a, in a season where you don't run into some of these obstacles, What should that schedule look like? How many 
power conference opponents do you think would be justifiable and uh, like how few versus how how many in 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 multitude uh, and how many FCS teams how many uh, more like opponents maybe from other group of five conferences like what does that schedule you think look like uh, well I, I can only speak for myself right this is what I think the perfect schedule would be is that you play a big name opponent from the SEC, from the Big Ten, from the ACC, Big 12, right? You you have that name brand opponent. You have an FCS member. And then you play, what would it be, two group of five non-conference opponents, right? It gives you four non-conference games. Um, and, I, and I'm only go, I'm going with 12 right now because I am in the belief that the Hawaii rule, the 13, as time goes on and with the college football playoff expanded, I think it's going to be very difficult to play 13 games moving forward on a consistent basis because other teams just don't want to, especially when you look at conferences now not being geographical. A big reason why Oregon didn't want to be a part of this game uh, for a number of reasons was that they're now in the Big Ten Conference. Mm -hmm. Why are we going to fly to Hawaii in the beginning of the year when we're making three, four more cross-country trips this year? Like the, the novelty of a long trip dissipated when they joined the Big Ten Conference. Now, I think that's going to happen for all of the Big Ten, right? The Big Ten is going to be harder to schedule now because they'll be like, well, we're not going to fly, you know, for some of the schools 4,000 miles, right, to go to Hawaii when we're going to be going 2,500 miles to California twice a year or whatever it is. So I think that 13 games is going to be hard moving forward. So I'm going to say this as a 12. So you got your, your big name opponent, you got an FCS member, and you got two group of five opponents, uh, you know, your peers, so to speak, like a Sam Houston State or, you know, teams from Conference USA, teams from the Sun Belt, whatever it is. And then you have your conference schedule. To me, that's perfect. Because the other thing you have to remember, too, is that with the college football playoff now, the group of five has a seat at the table. The highest ranking group of mm-hmm. five team to finish the year gets into the playoff. So... If you are a group of five, and let's say, let's just for argument's sake, let's say Hawaii wins all their games. They run through the conference, but they lost to that one big-name opponent. That's still going to put them within in the mix, right? If you're 11-1 and one and your lone loss is to Michigan or whatever it is, right? Now, all of a sudden, if you schedule differently and you play three Power mm-hmm. Five opponents like Dave Matlin used to like to schedule, right? And then now you're 10-3. and three, They don't care who your three losses are against. You're not even in consideration for that spot. And so, I mean, if you're the University of Hawaii, isn't that the end result? Isn't that the goal to get into this college football playoff? I mean, if you're any group of five team, isn't that what the number one like dream on your vision board would be? If you schedule too many of these huge opponents i mean you're just shooting yourself in the foot before the season even starts in my in my opinion you talk about dreams you mentioned the word dreams uh we are having this discussion in a place uh that served as the stage the host for uh what can be regarded as perhaps the greatest upset in the history of sports, certainly mainstream sports. Uh, When Virginia came in with Ralph Sampson and they played Chaminade in 1982 and Chaminade pulled off the upset. And I imagine that there were a lot of people who were like, man, this is going to be a uh, lopsided affair. Ralph Sampson, those guys, they were coming over from, uh, I think, a trip to Japan uh, prior to playing uh, Mm -hmm. that game against Chaminade. uh, So there were probably a lot of people like, weren't giving Chaminade much of a chance. Body bag game, perhaps. Perhaps uh, maybe not the the uh, part of the parlance back then, but uh, certainly philosophically and conceptually, that was kind of the idea. And then 
it happened, a magical moment. And so isn't that part of this thing that we're doing in this in this universe of sports where it's like give your players your fans an opportunity to do something that has never been done or to achieve something on any given night sure nine times out of ten maybe more like 999 times out of a thousand it could be a body bag game uh, if you schedule one two three power five opponents but when the planets align perhaps that one special evening where there was a rainbow over the stage before kickoff, magic will happen, and we will be able to witness something uh, that we will never forget, something that will be regarded as maybe one of the greatest moments you've ever witnessed as a fan. Isn't that part of what what it's about, too, or is that a little too idealistic? No, absolutely. (laughs) But Chaminade played Virginia once that season, not three times, right? So how much, wouldn't it, the the luster of it would have faded if they beat them once, if they went one and two against them, right, that season in 1982. If they beat Virginia and then the next two nights they played them two more times and lost by a total of 200 points or whatever, right? Like, that's what it is. Yeah, that's why I'm saying schedule. Like, bring a team like that to the state of Hawaii and let the people see this game and maybe anything can happen. Anything can happen within four quarters. But then... You don't need to do it three times in a single season, right? So I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Like, yeah, like bring that game, bring that team. But I just don't want to see it over and over again within a season because, hey, at the end of the day, I mean, this season, right? When you look at this schedule, let's just say for argument's sake, I mean, obviously anything can happen in a football game. But, you know, you're starting with Delaware State, UCLA, Sam Houston, Northern Iowa. As far as odds go, as far as Vegas goes, Hawaii should start the season three and one. Right now, if Delaware State was replaced by Oregon and Northern Iowa was replaced by Michigan and Hawaii started one and three. Right. Do you think the you think the the fans, the supporters can be like, it's all good. One and three is all good because we've seen this over the course of the year. But they start horribly because their schedule is so front loaded and people have lost interest in this team because their win loss record. Yeah, well, so. Maybe this doesn't apply as much because we're still dealing with the stadium situation as it is, right, where there are just not as many seats over there at Clarence T.C. Ching Athletic Complex, and uh, we're awaiting when the new Aloha Stadium, uh, God willing, uh, gets built. But, you know, the other side of that would be ticket sales, right, and ticket revenue. And so if you had uh, in past years, uh, in in past eras of UH football, a 50,000-seat stadium, Mm -hmm. uh, then I think that the conversation's a little bit different, right? Right? Because you're talking about yeah. if it is Michigan, if it is UCLA, if you do have Oregon, all three of those on the schedule uh, on your home field, there's a much greater likelihood that you're going to sell near capacity tickets. Uh, you know, and, and we have to be honest, in large part because of the opponent, because of the brand name level uh, of the opponent. Um, and so I don't know if that enters into the fray as much when you're playing in a 15,000 seat facility uh, by comparison. But no, I, I agree ultimately uh, that there is an art to scheduling where you try to find that balance weeks that can serve with you when you're playing an FCS opponent uh, perhaps as as a way to work on things get some other guys some run uh, confidence builder you would hope there are a lot of really good FCS teams out there so I'm not trying to say that Hawaii is a Garens against any FCS opponent we have seen that uh, burn the Rainbow Warriors in the past as well uh, but that's that's kind of the idea right maybe a little bit of a confidence booster type of week uh, like opponent from another conference to as you said sort of 
measure yourself? All right, where are we here uh, in relation to teams uh, that are from conferences that are more like the Mountain West Conference? And yeah, maybe one, maybe two, uh, if you possibly can, big name opponents, whether it's on the road so that you can make a little bit of a payday or whether it's at home so that you can sell out the stadium and you can give your fans a little bit of that gift of like, hey, you get to watch this team in person on the same field as the home team. Uh, I think that that's kind of the balance you want to go for because conference play is conference play. It is what it is. Uh, and once you get in there, then obviously, uh, you know, it's kind of a different uh, ball game altogether. And that's a schedule that's thrust upon you, not a schedule that you have control over. So, uh, yeah, I think that's that's the sweet spot if at all possible. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm with you, like, with that. You know, my fav- one of my favorite schedules I can remember was 2018 was the non-conference was Navy, Rice, at Army, and BYU, right? And, and so when you look at that, like, there wasn't an Oregon, there wasn't a UCLA. I think BYU is at that level as far as, you know, they're not a huge blue blood, but because of what they mean to this state, that almost treated itself as that that game right like that big time game um you know the service academies and at the time both of those service academies were really good right and and then you had rice a a group of five opponent that is quote unquote at your level you know that's to me that's like the perfect schedule because you got everything you got everything you needed and you were tested you provided fans good games um you know so for me that that's kind of the sweet spot you know, I, I think you're in this similar point, but then a, a, a second big name I would, opponent. I, I, I'm kind of still leaning towards like, you know, if you can get big name opponents in multitude, uh, I, I think that that's that's a good thing for your program. That I'm 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 that's still more or less the uh, the vantage point that I'm looking at this from. Uh, yeah. And, and, and I want to say, too, that I'm not saying like, you know, I just want to see Hawaii play tomato cans and just stack up W's. That's not the point I'm trying to make. I'm trying to find this balance, right? I'm trying to find a little bit of everything, that your schedule has everything and makes everybody happy. The, the people who want to see the big-name opponent, the people who want to see really good games against equal teams, you get an FCS team because it's always good to have one of those in there. You know, you try to bring in a, a formal rival, like a whack rival from back in the day or something like that that's no longer in the Mountain West. To me, that's... That's the, the the sweet spot of trying to find. Also, uh, I think Hawaii has the bye week right before conference play starts, San Diego State, and then no more. Three, no, three bye weeks this well, season. Well, but they're front-loaded, right? Yeah, exactly. And so after the Northern Iowa game, they have that last bye yeah. week, and then they go into conference play, and there are no more bye weeks after that. Uh, so, yeah, three open dates, uh, kind of interesting. We have a ton of text that we're going to try to get to uh, here in just a little bit. In fact, we're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, we'll get to those texts. Of course, you can call in as well. We have a baseball ticket giveaway that we're going to do a little bit later on in the show as well. You had something to add? Real quick, there uh, at the very end of the season, there is a, a bye week between Utah State and New Mexico. Oh, good call. Good call. That's right. That's right. Three open dates. That is the last one is between uh, those two. Oh, yeah. Good call. All right. Call the coach. Speaking of good calls with Charlie Wade, uh, it returns Tuesday, presented by PAXA, 6.30 p.m., live on location at Ruby Tuesday, Moanalua. Uh, you can uh, join the crew on site, enjoy Ruby Tuesday specials, prize giveaways, and the latest on Hawaii Rain. Warrior Volleyball. Robbie D's in the house. We'll be back after this. What's up? Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy along with Rob DeMello of KHON2 Sports. We're in the PAX studios in Honolulu. 808-296-1420. 
the number to call. You can text in at that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line. We have some texts to get to. A lot of people chiming in on the release earlier today of the 2024 Hawaii football schedule. It starts week zero, August 24th, at home against Delaware State, the latest addition to the schedule. Uh, it will be a 12-game schedule, one short of what is allowed for Hawaii via the Hawaii exemption. UCLA, the second game, August 31st, uh, and then after a bye week at Sam Houston, at home, Northern Iowa, another bye week, and then into conference play at San Diego State, home Boise State, at Washington State, home Nevada, at Fresno, home UNLV, at Utah State, final bye week, so three open spots here on the schedule, uh, and then the uh, home or full regular season finale against New Mexico. Uh, in Manoa. And so uh, that was interesting. You made a point during the break, like uh, that bye week before New Mexico, uh, depending on how this season goes, that could actually be pretty big. I mean, uh, there is a likelihood that Hawaii is running into a situation where they need that win to become bowl eligible. And if you get a little bye, especially coming off of a road trip uh, to prepare for that, that, that could be a big assist. A road trip in Logan, Utah in the middle of November, too, right? So you get to come home and defrost for a week. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get to some uh, text messages, shall we? Uh, hi, Craig, talking about Craig Angelus, should read about Florida State 2023. Strength of schedule counts. Uh, yeah, I think generally speaking, there is definitely uh, that. Uh, FSU uh, was was kind of, the, the schedule was somewhat held against them. I think it was more because of the injuries that they were facing. If they were fully yeah. healthy at the quarterback position, I think Florida State gets in. Yeah, well, and, I mean, and if you're comparing it to Florida State and Hawaii as far as strength of schedule and what they're trying to accomplish, um, the University of Hawaii is not ever going to be a top four team in the country, right? I mean, you saw 2007, uh, you know, coming off of 2006 and still going undefeated, albeit not the, the toughest schedule ever. I mean, they got as high as eight. And that's like the the ultimate dream scenario. Stars are aligned. Like, I mean, Hawaii, yeah, if you're trying to get a top four spot, then yeah, the strength of schedule will hurt you. But if you're just trying to be the one group of five team that gets in, a la Liberty, yeah, and right over yeah. the course of the years, like then no, this isn't gonna affect that. You just gotta win your games. If you, I'll tell you this right now: if Hawaii wins all their games this year, right? I mean, we're talking hypothetically. Like they're they're gonna be competing in the college football playoff, right? Is it gonna happen? It's very, 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 very unlikely. But this is a schedule that's good enough to do that because you have UCLA on it. It's like what we talked about. I mean, if you if you beat all the teams you're supposed to beat and then beat UCLA, that's I mean that's strength of schedule for who you are. I mean, because at the end of the day, you are what you are. The University of Hawaii football team is a group of five teams. This isn't a this isn't a team in the Big Twelve or SEC. I mean, we just have to be realistic to that. Uh, another texter says, don't sleep on the Hornets and the Bearcats. Yeah, the Delaware State Hornets, Sam Houston Bearcats, uh, also the Northern Iowa Panthers. Yep. Uh, Northern Iowa, always an interesting connection because Stan Sheriff, uh, prior to his days as an AD at University of Hawaii, was an athletics director there at Northern Iowa. Um, yeah, no, I, I, we are definitely making sure that we state there are no guarantees. <laughs> Hawaii is not in a position as a football program in its current form to be able to look down the schedule and at any point be like, dub that's a w like they do not have that liberty and that's for sure at hand here and that's not even just now i mean that i mean hey 2000 portland state yeah. coming off of a whack championship sold out aloha stadium got the junior college player <laughs> of the year and nick rolovich and you got the state reigning state player there and timmy chang who's gonna play quarterback it didn't matter that day they yeah. both played 
and they got smashed. What was it, 45 to 20, right? Yeah. So, I mean, anyone who remembers watching that game, I think, will never go into a game thinking this is a guaranteed win. Because at least for me, I mean, that year 2000, I'm 17, 18 years old. Uh, and for the rest of my life, I will never think that a Division One AA slash FCS opponent is a guaranteed win. Uh, got a couple of calls via text. Uh, for the idea of, hey, look, you have three open uh, weeks on the schedule. Hawaii is allowed to play a 13th game. There are 12 games on the schedule. Just schedule another FCS team. Fill the 13. At least it's a home game. You make some money off of the ticket revenue. Uh, One of them suggests add like UC Davis or something like that. So it's a familiar foe in some of the other sports. Uh, What do you think about that? A third FCS team? Yeah, I I don't think it's necessary to have a, a a third FCS team just in order to get that 13th game. Um, I do love the fact of trying to play UC Davis regularly because uh, I've been saying that for years as far as, you know, it's rare that a Big West opponent has a football team. Yeah. And UC Davis should be coming to town here. And, and that should be the FCS opponent you play every other year or whatever it is and create a little bit of a, you know, I don't want to use the word rivalry in football because it's teams at, in two different levels, but you have this thing going in basketball, and that's kind of been the biggest bummer with the whole whack dissolving and joining the Mountain West is that you don't see teams year-round, and you have your your indoor rivalries and then your football yeah, rivalries yeah. and all this. And I absolutely love the idea of getting UC Davis on the schedule regularly. I just don't wouldn't want to see it as a third FCS opponent in, yeah. in the schedule. We should remind people that because there are two FCS opponents on the schedule, only one can count towards bowl eligibility. Although there is um, word that there the University of Hawaii is looking into possibly being able to count it. The NCAA can grant that waiver based on you being forced to schedule that mm-hmm, opponent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know when that would be learned, uh, but at some point in this season, we'll find out whether or not you'll be able to count both. And it, and teams have counted two FCS opponents as victories counting towards bowl games in previous years. And, and I want to say it happened last year with someone. I think maybe Marshall was able to count um, uh, two FCS victories, or maybe it was two years ago. So it, it's not like it's unprecedented. Th- this has happened sure, before. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. But uh, the, the, as the rule currently states, unless you were to get a, an exemption on that front, um, Hawaii, if they were to get both of those wins, only one of them can count uh, towards bow eligibility, unless they do get some kind of uh, special um, exemption regarding that, which uh, would obviously help the cause a little bit uh, for the University of Hawaii. All right, we are up against another commercial break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to give away a bundle pair of tickets, right? Uh, this is a bundle pair, so it's like two tickets for each night of the baseball series. Is that right? Four games, four nights, two tickets each night. That's that's amazing. That's a bundle. Yeah, is uh, Rob, I think, is going to uh, run outside of the studio and call in to try to be <laughs> the, uh, the correct caller for that. That's actually pretty cool. That's a cool one. And uh, we'll be doing that giveaway uh, in the next uh, segment. So uh, Robbie D, Rob DeMello is in the house. Let's Talk Sports rolls on. Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. Rob DeMello, KHON2 Sports Director, is also 
in the house as my uh, guest co-host for the day, 808-296-1420, the number to call. Text in at that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, a couple of texts to get to. Uh, this is interesting. Uh, this texter says Virginia beat Chaminade in 1979. Uh, that would be several years before the Chaminade upset of Virginia when Ralph Sampson was a freshman. This was at the uh, St. Louis uh, school gym. Chaminade did okay, but Virginia pulled away a bit in the second half to win by 15 or 20 points, I believe. I know this because I was at the game, walked over uh, Holly Wainani on a weeknight by myself. None of my roommates were interested. I can truthfully tell people I was at the Virginia Chaminade game. Not the, the game. Virginia yeah. Chaminade <laughs> game, uh, but certainly you were at the Virginia Chaminade game. That's a cool text. Thanks for that uh, recollection there. Uh, another texter says, this is, uh, this is interesting. Uh, there was an article about the best NBA players to come out of each state. Uh, and so I think this is more like a, um, uh, w- this, this would be like homegrown products that went to the so NBA. So not like I, University I, of Hawaii or I would Chaminade assume, or like I would assume, Hawaii yeah. born. Uh, and so Red Rosha was listed for Hawaii. That makes sense. Red Rosha, I think, you know, overlooked a little bit, right? As far as how incredible uh, he was as a player played in the NBA. There has not been another Hawaii uh, born or Hawaii produced product in that way uh, that has played in the NBA. Derek Lowe getting close. So there's one other, but didn't grow up in Hawaii. Cedric Sabalos. Oh, was yeah, born yeah. in that's Hawaii. Right, that's right. Uh, but moved out of Hawaii. That's right, didn't and grow so, up here, yeah. Uh, Red Rosha is the lone Hawaii high school graduate, the lone, like, really that would be born the best and way to put raised. It, yeah. A player to play in the NBA. Um, so he would have to be number one. He has to be number one, yeah. Uh, I think we, we overlook that, though, sometimes just because, you know, Derek Lowe was a more uh, modern times, and I think a lot of people say, oh, he's got to be the, the best to come out of a Hawaii high school. And he did get close. He did play in the NBA Summer League. He did get a couple of opportunities. Ended up having an incredible professional career yeah, I mean, overseas. Uh, but uh, Derek Lowe, Julian Sensley. Right. Yeah, you had always played Clifton in the Jones, league. was it, from Kahuku, oh, was right. also in uh, camp with the Lakers, if I'm not mistaken. So there were some guys that knocked on the door, for yeah. sure, but Red Rocha would be the guy that has to be number one. Well, and um, Red Rocha, I believe, was a multiple-time All-Star, yeah. too, yeah. right? <laughs> so guy, I mean, so it's not ball. like he just played in the NBA. Like, he was yeah. a two- or three-time All-Star, if I remember correctly. And the greatest Shaka known to man, like in the history of humanity, because he had this broken pinky. <laughs> so he would uh, hold out his thumb and his pinky, and the pinky would actually jut out straight uh, to the, like where I think it was on his uh, right hand, if I'm not mistaken. It would shut out straight to the right. Uh, and so it was just like a flat line shaka. <laughs> it was like the perfect, like <laughs> angular shaka. It was uh, amazing. So yeah, Red Rocha was great in a number of ways. This texter goes on to say, I think Hawaii is much more of a football state than a basketball state, but uh, mentions some guys who played at the University of Hawaii what you like Tom Henderson uh, who was just after the Fab Five who ended up playing like nine years in the league won a championship with Moses Malone in the Sixers um, what other players from Hawaii had NBA careers offhand this texter says Bob Nash Reggie Cross AC come to mind if we're if we're pulling it out to like include UH and other college players then yeah the list gets a little longer by the way Reggie Cross uh, was drafted by the Sixers I believe uh, but never actually played uh, in the NBA AC would be another one Trevor Ruffin, Trevor Ruffin. Uh, would be be one uh, one of my all-time favorites uh, out of the University of Hawaii. So uh, yeah, th- there's uh, that that would be certainly a, a longer list there. But if you're talking about state-produced talent, uh, yeah, Red Rocha's got to be number one. Yeah, the unquestioned number one, Red Rocha for sure. And, and and like you said, I think a lot of people forget about how great of a player he was because when you bring up the name Red Rocha right now, it's coach, right? Yeah. Everyone just thinks coach and this legendary coach, but. Man, I mean, what, what he accomplished as a player. And and at the time, when you think about it, coming out of Hilo, 
right? Yeah. Then uh, to make your way to the NBA, become an all-star, you know, and, and become a coach in the NBA, and then a coach at the University of Hawaii, that is, I mean, it's one of the great tales in Hawaii sports history. Yeah, played in the 1951 NBA All-Star Game. Uh, that was the very first NBA All-Star Game. So, uh, yeah, pretty cool um, when you look back at the career of Red Rocha, born in 1923 in Hilo, Hawaii. All right, um, we've talked about scheduling a lot here uh, as it pertains to the UH football program, uh, but um, one thing that I think we're all in agreement is what has been a really cool added wrinkle to the University of Hawaii baseball schedule this year. Uh, They're playing all the other Hawaii baseball programs, the other college programs, Chaminade obviously uh, being able to bring their program back to life after like four decades in hiatus. Uh, And last night, Hawaii played in Hilo against uh, the Vulcans and and so that was a midweek game Hawaii has the other uh, teams HPU as well as Chaminade on the schedule as well Uh, heck Chaminade's actually going to be playing uh, some series uh, on their own behalf at Les Murakami Stadium when uh, Hawaii is out of town but um, I know that we're all in agreement this is a, a really cool aspect of this season schedule for uh, Rich Hill's gang. Absolutely love it. And I hope that this is the start of it never ending, right? I mean, because it's huge for the guys that are being recruited to these other schools, HPU, Hilo, and Chaminade, their family and friends to be able to experience it, the the fan bases of these teams to be able to see the Bows come into town, especially yesterday was one of the coolest things was uh, I'm watching the stream which UH Hilo produces uh, via out of the sea media. And there's no commentators, there's no play by play. So it's just the nat sound. It's just, you're just hearing the And it was ambiance. terrible, right? It's terrible without the announcers, right, Rob? <laughs> yes, Rob, of course. Right? I, was on, just, Rob. I was wishing and praying that Kanoa would somehow find no, himself Rob, there. Rob, please don't uh, promote the non announcer <laughs> broadcast, please. No, no. So, but what I'm saying is, <laughs> Is so you're watching this game play out. So you're hearing the PA announcer. You're hearing, uh, you know, there you can actually hear conversations of people. <laughs> and and a hey, good on you, whoever was sitting closest to the microphone for keeping your conversations PG. <laughs> These are just brothers that love baseball, and you're hearing them talk. And the one of the coolest things was during the introductions was hearing the UH guys announced, and these fans were legitimately excited about. Like, you know, hearing Kyson Donahue's name or hearing it, obviously the, the, the Big Island guy's got a big pop. Um, but just hearing the names of these UH players, Ben Ziegler and Amo is from Maui and be like, oh, I'm this guy, I can't wait to see him play. And you're hearing these conversations happen. Then they're obviously cheering on the Hilo guys because this is being played in Hilo. As, this, as the game goes on, it's like it, it's a 1-1 game in the sixth inning. And so people are starting to kind of like, whoa, this is a game. Like, what if the Vulcans pull this off? <laughs> and so you start to hear the crowd like really shift to like cheering for UH Hilo, right? And then the bows explode in the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth inning. And as this is happening, then now they're cheering for the bows because it's just like Kyson Donahue hits this moonshot. And they're like, oh, my God, this is crazy. And, and Jared Kwan had a big homer. And, and so it was just cool to see. It was really, truly a celebration of baseball. As this game went on, and by the end of it, they were cheering for both teams. They were stoked that this game was happening. And when that game ended, I was like, yes, that's why you need to have this game. Because you're not going to get that experience anywhere else. You're not going to hear fan reaction like that anywhere else other than a UH at UH Hilo game at Wong Stadium. It was awesome. Yeah, no, it was uh, very cool. Uh, Hilo will be coming back to Honolulu for a one-off later in the year, uh, and then Hawaii also playing uh, Hawaii Pacific and Chaminade as well in midweek contests uh, throughout the season. So, yeah, I think it's really cool. I think it was Billy Hull may have come up with 
uh, an idea too. I think it was Billy. If I'm if I'm wrong about this, my apologies. Uh, because I think it's a really great idea. We were talking about sort of the expansion of marketing towards Japan, right? With the uh, addition of Itsuki Takimoto to the baseball program and sort of the the potential floodgates that could open from that, right? With with him being um, a, a bit of a trailblazer in from the standpoint of here's this highly regarded, highly hyped prospect, and in most instances in Japan. The, the standard pathway to United States baseball or Major League Baseball would be through the professional ranks. You would play professionally in Japan, and then you would make the crossover move, as, as many have um, you know, in, in recent decades. Uh, but he's doing it a little bit differently, and now you're starting to see there was another top prospect that has uh, committed uh, as well to play at uh, Stanford, uh, I believe it yep. is. And so you're seeing these prospects that are choosing to make that trip, uh, to make that transition to baseball in the United States at the collegiate level. And that introduces a lot of other logistical ramifications. Uh, but Itsuki, a guy who's kind of going to lead potentially the effort on that. And so uh, that seemed to be a door that could potentially open for Hawaii in trying to market itself to Japan, right? He has this documentary crew, this production team that's following him around. Uh, and so if you can uh, first take advantage of maybe that tip of the spear as far as your your promotion of your program your your marketing trying to garner support from that area uh, of the globe and 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 that being uh, another attraction that you could list on your resume when you are trying to sell yourself to other potential conferences down the road depending on how uh, college sports continues to uh, change at such a rapid pace uh, and so Billy Hull came up with this idea of why don't you just go play like a showcase tournament over there and and it just be all the Hawaii teams. Yeah. It just be Manoa, Hilo, Chaminade, HPU. You fly over there and you do like a little uh, tournament showcase, like a one-day doubleheader or something like that. And I think that's a phenomenal a idea. Phenomenal idea. I love that with all my heart. Yeah, I, I I think that's a that's a home run of an idea. Yeah, um, and you don't even need to send uh, announcers, according to Rob. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Man, this guy real paranoid about yeah, his know, job security, right? let me tell you. Uh, all right, well, uh, Kaisen Donahue, you mentioned the home run he hit. That's his second of the year. Hawaii has four home runs total as a squad this season as they get ready for this four-game series with Holy Cross. And so that's how we're going to do it. We're giving a bundle pair of tickets away, four games, four-game series, four nights, two tickets to each game. Four home runs that Hawaii has hit, which means caller number four gets the tickets here during the break. 808-296-1420. You're looking at me like, you are such a stooge. You, no. You know, like, the, there's such disappointment in no, your that, face. No, my eyes, there's like a glimmer <laughs> in my eye of like, that's so cool. <laughs> The number four. <laughs> Look at this guy. Liz Stacy is uh, working the phone line. And, uh, yeah, that's it. 808-296-1420. Caller number four gets the bundle tickets. We'll be back. All right, welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa here in the Paxson Studios. In what are you laughing at, Rob? <laughs> so right before we go out, Liz tells us, oh, we have a winner. And then said that the mics are hot, also letting us know. That, but I thought she was saying the name of the person who won. So she's like, oh, we have a winner. Mics are hot. Oh, Mike, and I was Mike's. Like, yeah, R- so oh, I yeah. thought his name was Mike Sarhat, and I Mike was like, well, that's a weird name, and then I put it together, and I'm like, no, I'm oh. an idiot. S-A-R-H-U-T, Mike Sarhat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know, what, what's the deal? 
Uh, so anyway, congratulations to Mike. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. The real winner from <laughs> Capule is Taco. Taco from Capule uh, has uh, won the tickets, was uh, caller number four to get the uh, four-night bundle of tickets to uh, Rainbow Baseball. Okay, flow from Progressive. <laughs> She's still doing her thing. Pat, she's like, has there been it up, any man. greater staying power from a commercial like campaign than flow from Progressive? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Captain Crunch. Yeah, <laughs> Ronald McDonald. Even Ronald yeah, McDonald's yeah. like tossed aside already. Like flow has outlasted Ronald. Yeah. Uh, all right, it is time to get to our best and worst, and uh, we are always really well prepared for this segment. And so, uh, Rob, I'm going to give you the floor here. <laughs> what is your best for the show? Okay, my best. Is that ever since I started coming in and doing this show with you, right? You you've always uh, make sure you have your best and worst, and especially make sure you have your worst because I never remember to have my worst, right? My best is that today on this beautiful day, February 29th, a leap year, so it may not ever happen again for uh, quite some time. You don't have a best or worst. What are you talking about? You I told have... me in the break that I oh my, my god, whoa 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 whoa, <laughs> that's my whoa. best. I I am am ready to pounce. Off of the top rope with my best right now. That you've just sir. come up with in the last 35 seconds. And no, it's definitely, we are prepared. Rob, <laughs> I'm a professional. You're a professional. We don't just show up to do this radio show, all right? I am not frantically Googling right now while I'm saying <laughs> this to you. And I am not reading the top headline that's on ESPN.com, <laughs> which says what my best is that Caitlin Clark has declared for the WNBA draft. <laughs> And she's going to be the projected number one pick, clearly Caitlin Clark, which means we could see her in the three-point shootout, possibly All-Star Weekend against Steph Curry, uh, perhaps uh, Sabrina Ionescu next year. Ooh. That's my best. Well thought out. Various layers to that. Yeah. You thought of it before it was even announced. That's, That's right. Man. Yeah. Okay. So you didn't really, so you did at least my best was an actual best. Uh, what's your worst? I don't have a worst. <laughs> I was trying to come up with one as I was. That's why you uh, you could hear that I kind of made that a little longer than it needed to be. <laughs> it's because I was trying to come up with the words. I I just don't have one. I'm you, sorry. You just, you just you just didn't. You know, we don't pay you good money to not show up without a best. Do I have enough negatives in there? We don't pay you. At all, Blank Rob, money. Yeah, to, it, to yeah. show up and and not be prepared to do a uh, a worst. That is that my is apologies. Just, that is just embarrassing. If you were to I do might it. come up with one as you go with your worst. Oh, okay. Uh, my worst is, this is funny, uh, Jerry Jones, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, uh, has been uh, uh, forced or commanded to uh, undergo a paternity test. A judge has uh, upheld a decision uh, requiring him to do so as part of a legal dispute with a 27-year-old woman who says the billionaire is her biological father. So, uh, Jerry Jones, that's a bit of a uh, slippery, weird slope that you're traversing down there, buddy. You, you know who's happiest about this? Maury Povich. <laughs> they should do it. They right? should do it as like a uh, Maury Povich like reunion special show, like special broadcast. Hey. Jerry Jones, <laughs> uh, paternity test, and if uh, if it comes back like negative, then he can like dance like all those other guys would dance when they would be uh, say, you're not the father. Like, whoa! They would go crazy. That's my worst, is that I, I don't watch Maury Povich anymore. That was like a stay home from school sick must and it's just no longer part of my life so that's my worst <laughs> oh, man i thought your worst would be uh like shohei otani hitting a home run in his debut with <laughs> oh, the dodgers bro if if shohei and the dodgers uh that would be how about that that's just my universal worst is that me having to watch 
greatness unfold in front of my eyes. And uh, that's okay, though. The Angels have Zach Nito. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's a very comedic name. Like, that's just sort of like the perfect name. Like, oh, no. Hey, Dodgers enjoy Shohei and the other uh, lavish uh, riches, the embarrassment of riches talent-wise that you have on your roster because we have need. <laughs> that's pretty good, man. That's pretty good. Uh, all right. I uh, also am uh, contractually uh, obligated to uh, remind you that you can upgrade your island style with Kahala, the original Aloha shirt, since 1936. Pick one up for yourself at one of Kahala's six stores island-wide or at kahala.com. All right. Let's uh, try to see if we can sneak another text or two in here before uh, we uh, take off. Uh, Kanoa Hawaii Baseball RPI is 99. Holy Cross is 36. Beware this weekend. I wasn't aware that Holy Cross was was that high up in the RPI. They played uh, on the road at Kansas State, nationally ranked opponent. Uh, they uh, were able to win one of those games in extra innings. It was a 10-inning uh, win for them. Uh, they're a little beat up, but, um, yeah, this is a, an interesting program. They have no scholarships. Holy Cross does not uh, have any baseball scholarships at the moment, I'm not sure if that's going to change, uh, but they are a scholarship-free program, uh, and it is a very demanding curriculum over there. Uh, it's really interesting. going to be kind of a, a fun series, I think, uh, against Holy Cross. Yeah, I mean, a, a road victory over a ranked opponent on a team with no scholarships, that's, I mean, that's Chaminade, Virginia territory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's uh, obviously a, a very high-caliber educational school, um, and so that's kind of part of the selling point. I mean, these are student-athletes, like, very much true and true, uh, and their demands. Uh, are uh, even in some ways stricter than like Ivy League schools because they only allow their baseball players to miss, depending on their class schedule, as many as three classes per season. How are they coming to Hawaii? I don't know. I don't know. Their coach says it's very creative scheduling. That's uh, (laughs) that's how they go about it. All right, that'll do it for us. Uh, Thanks, Robbie. Been fun. Uh, We'll see you tomorrow, everybody.